DFS MVP, Holden Kushner and 444.com's director of DFS, TJ Hernandez, back again. Loving all the great feedback we're getting from you guys and ladies out there. Before we get started, though, tell us about the music, TJ. Uh, Frontin' from Pharrell, one of his first, if not his first, uh, singles featuring Jay-Z. So this was before Pharrell put out uh, a solo album, but... Uh, it did show up on his album Neptune's Presents Clones, uh, 2003. Which is if you were if you were in high school in the early 2000s, pretty much anything uh, produced by Neptune's or Pharrell became a hit. So that sound is very familiar, and that's a very underrated album. And of course, we got Jay Z on there. Uh, Jay Z not on Spotify. So if you want to find Jay Z on Spotify, you have to look for some collabs. So that was nice. A uh, little Jay Z nod there. And uh, if you're on Spotify, go ahead and search our playlist, which includes this song as well as all of the intros from the DFS MVP podcast. Just go search DFS MVP, or you can look on my Twitter. I'm always tweeting out the link to that. Before we get into everything today, sports bettors listen up. If you like winning and if you like winning NFL betting, Check out the weekly selections from NFL Sharp James Salinas. He's the most successful sports contest winner of all time. All you have to do is visit Sharp Angle Sports and start winning today. Uh, and you know I'm into sports betting, and I do mm-hmm. shows in the sports betting realm. And I, I said, hey, tell me about James Salinas. He's legit, too. And I think it was like 63% he hit on. The yeah. guy is sensational. So go do it. Go sign up, sharpanglesports.com. Here's what we got this week. We got our Week 8 plays, DraftKings, and FanDuel. When we got some leverage plays for our um, our game theory segment, pivots, mm-hmm. dart throws, love it because these are the things you're going to need in your GPPs. Also, sign up right now, twenty five percent off the DFS sub only with the code DFS MVP. Twenty five percent off DFS sub, DFS MVP. Who's our winner for the rate and review T shirt giveaway? Uh, yeah, we got a nice review from Chico Andre. So those reviews have been uh, rolling in. Chico Andre hit me up on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. I'll get you uh, the instructions on how to get that nice four for four swag. I just got my black hoodie in. So I finally got the uh, got the black four for four swag in my closet now. So annoyed that you have so <laughs> much swag. I did wear. Oh, I wore my sweatsuit out today. Nice. There yeah, we go. I took, I, well, um. I don't know, really. I was sitting in a room with like um, eight MILFs and nine or ten kids. <laughs> I was at story time. So, you know. No one's, paying attention. My- <clears throat> no one's paying attention to anything uh, besides themselves. They probably didn't even know you were wearing it. Uh, well, the kids <laughs> did, so that's what's important. But, you know, I work at night. I hang out with my kids during the day, and that's it. There you go. Congrats, Chico. Way to go, dude. Uh, for our new listeners, here's what we do every week. During the regular season, we touch on a few core plays at each position of the main slate, followed by a theory segment. By the way, if you're playing regular season, half of the regular season is over in fantasy Man. football. But the good Insane. news for us is we got like 12, 13 weeks to go. 
Yeah, we go through uh, championship week of the playoffs. So if you're with us, we still have nine weeks of regular season DFS, another three in the postseason. Uh, so the podcast will be going through that. then. All of our uh, tools and content on 4 for 4 will be going through then. So if you haven't used that uh, 25% off code yet, there's still a lot of value to be had, especially since the price is down to $99. So effectively dropping, you uh, you still get three months of content for only 75 bucks let's do this get into quarterback and the first guy you're going to see when you're going to DraftKings and FanDuel is Deshaun Watson and I'm actually looking at my dummy lineup and guess who my starting quarterback is Deshaun Watson uh, talk me off of this I know that you know quite often we try and find the value at the quarterback position but man this guy just stands out so well this week going up against Oakland yeah, Deshaun Watson, 8,400 on FanDuel, 7,100 on DraftKings, favored by 6.5 against one of the worst secondaries in the league. And then this week, I just I just lumped these two guys together because there's so much value across the board uh, that you can just pay up for either of the top two quarterbacks on the slate, uh, and they're both our top two values on both on the main slate on both sites. Uh, the other guy's Russell Wilson. He's priced essentially the same as Deshaun Watson, 8600 FanDuel, $7,200 DraftKings. Uh, the Seahawks are at Atlanta as three-and-a-half-point favorites. But, I mean, let's just run down th- what these guys have going on this week as far as matchup, what they have going on for themselves as quarterbacks, and they're basically uh, mirror images of each other, at least from a, a fantasy standpoint. Both are top two values on both sides, as I mentioned. Both of these offenses projected for over 28 points. Uh, both top three on the main slate. If we look at fantasy points per pass attempt, that's one of my favorite efficiency metrics for quarterbacks. Once you eliminate uh, the rushing totals, that just gives us a, a really good I- idea of their um, their upside and their consistency. They're both facing defenses that rank uh, in the bottom two in four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the position. And uh, this is a kind of why I, I just kind of want to lump these guys together. I'm usually a, a one cash lineup guy. Um, but I think you can make the case this week that you can split your cash lineups between Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson because they're priced so similarly. Uh, they, everything that matches up is so similar and we don't have, uh, really any other guys in their tier or in their realm of, of floor or ceiling at the position. Uh, if you are someone that plays 50 fifties or double ups, uh, I would definitely say split it up. Um, you, I don't think it's a good idea to run out like 10 of the same lineups if you're only playing uh, 10 double-ups or 50-50s. If you're somebody that plays exclusively head-to-heads, if you, I usually try to play 30 at each buy-in level, but if, if you're maxing out 50 at each buy-in level, uh, you can definitely make a case where you just do 25 Watsons and 25 Wilson lineups. You know, that's an interesting theory segment right there, but just to touch mm-hmm. on it real quick, because I do not do... Uh, more than one cash game lineup. Mm-hmm. I'm just like you. And I really don't I don't see what the benefit would be to going with two different cash game lineups just switching quarterback out. Like doesn't it make sense just to pick one? It it does. Um I mean like I said, it's just because they're both so perfectly similar. The the reason that I rarely do it is because um you you almost never have this 
situation where they're they're priced so similar similar the situation is so similar if you change your your salary by even a couple hundred dollars you might end up switching your entire lineup and then if you are playing um mostly head-to-heads uh then you're really just kind of bringing on um unnecessary variance when the whole point of head-to-heads is to have one lineup to uh to smooth out that variance against maximum number of opponents i would say if i'm if I'm splitting hairs here, the, the two things I notice that are a difference is I, I like Watson's um, weapons a little bit better. I'd rather have Kenny Stills and DeAndre Hopkins over uh, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But uh, the the Texans are, are favored by a little bit more. I think they're more likely to end up uh, ahead big and, and have some negative touchdown variance towards Watson, whereas Wilson uh, is playing against the Falcons. A uh, close game there, three and a half um, point favorites. But at the same time, uh, the, the Seahawks are a little more likely to let uh, Chris Carson shoulder the load, even though Atlanta is horrible uh, secondary as well. So gun to my head, I'm probably taking um, Watson, but it's really close. So here's just one more thing I want to throw in here. Drew Brees might play on Sunday against Arizona. And we know Arizona is one of the four worst uh, defenses against the pass Mm -hmm. at $7,200. And we mentioned Watson and Wilson, they're 8,400 and then Wilson's at 8,600. If Brees, if you hear that Brees is playing, is he the better value? I don't think so because even healthy breeze going back to the first game of this season, most of last season. Um, and even two years ago, this is a team that's shifted more towards, um, a run heavy game plan, at least what we saw in the earlier years, uh, with, with Sean Payton. And, uh, one thing that I think we really have to take into account is that Patrick Peterson is back for the Cardinals and he will be shadowing their best target, uh, Michael Thomas. So with with so much value just across the side, I don't really see a point in paying down for a quarterback that uh, even in a really good spot there, like Drew Brees just isn't that, that guy that's going to uh, tear up that stat line for you like these guys are anymore. All right, let's get into running back and Brees' teammate Latavius mm-hmm. Murray. Uh, a lot of people shied away from him because he had a tough matchup against the Bears. I actually played him. His price was so low. I played him in cash and GPPs. He went off. Here's the question then. Does it happen again, this time against Arizona? 6,200 FanDuel, 5,800 against uh, on DraftKings. And, man, Latavius Murray looked so good last week. It's going to be tough to pass him up. Yeah, he's still priced um, extremely low. As I, I mentioned, this team is is a little more on the balance side than they have been in past years. They're right in the middle of the pack uh, in terms of past run run splits. And this doesn't have to do with, with this matchup, but uh, the Bears might not be a good run defense. Now that's uh, consecutive weeks. Josh Jacobs and Latavius Murray have, have ran all over them, uh, but that's, that's a different discussion. The point here is that it looks like Alvin Kamara is not going to play. Uh, we are recording this Wednesday night, and Kamara did not practice Wednesday day. Uh, we have Latavius Murray projected as the top value on both sides. Now with, with word of uh, Drew Brees possibly or likely playing I, I don't really know exactly where we stand on that but i did see the line move up a nudge from nine and a half to ten and a half uh, that was just within today so that's obviously good for latavius murray who's going to get most of his touches on the ground although i believe he did have uh five five catches or five targets for four catches last week so it does get a, he is going to get a little bit of use in the passing game obviously a lot of goal line work uh last week when Kamara, we realized Kamara couldn't go, 
Latavius Murray saw 83% snap share, 32 touches. I don't think he hits that 32 touch mark again, but 20 plus is uh, is easily within his range of outcomes here as a huge favorite. 55% team touch share was the fourth highest among all players in the league last week. All right, so there's your number one running back. Uh, number two at value. So Kerryon Johnson is out. Uh, Ty Johnson last week had 13 touches. J.D. McKissick had five touches. Patricia comes out and says, we can go running back by committee. That does not scare me off of Ty Johnson against the Giants, who are really one of the worst teams against the run. They're definitely a top, uh, a bottom 10 uh, defense, as you pointed out. Yeah, and this, I mean, this is one of those reasons why we can pay up for these quarterbacks pretty comfortably is because we don't have just one cheap running back, but we have two this week. Uh, Ty Johnson, 5,200 FanDuel, 4,900 DraftKings with uh, Karrion Johnson now, now on the IR. Ty Johnson is going to be the one that's going to see the majority of the backfield work. Definitely first and second down work. And then J.D. McKissick will get some uh, some some passing work uh, filtered in there. And then they, they add it to the depth chart. But it's a position that they're already weak and thin at. So uh, it makes sense that they have to add players to the depth there. It's, it's not something that I'm worried about for Johnson's role. Uh, he saw a 65% snap share last uh, week with 55% of the backfield touches. But uh, talking about McKissick stealing some of that passing down work with with Carryon Johnson out last week, uh, who's basically there, who was their starting running back and seeing most of the work. Uh, McKissick, 25% of snaps, 20% of touches is pretty much on par with what he had been for the last month with carry on in there instead of Ty Johnson. So we didn't see um, a huge difference in terms of work for McKissick. Obviously they didn't have a week to prep with both Ty Johnson and McKissick as the main two backs. Now they do. So that is uh, liable to change a little bit, but I mean, even uh, over the course of the season, Carrion never saw more than uh, 75% of the snaps. So if you would have liked Carrion in this spot against the the Giants as a seven-point favorite, the Giants a bottom 10 run defense in terms of schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, then you should like Ty Johnson in the spot, and you're getting him for a much cheaper price than you would have got Carrion at. All right, so that's the running back landscape mm-hmm. as it is right now. I'm going to throw this at you. If you're paying up, for running back this week. I think, you know, you got to. Um, you got to get a bell cow here. Barkley, yeah. Carson, um, Fournette is another guy I've been looking at. And, and personally, when I'm looking at the running back position on FanDuel, I think Barkley and Carson, both those guys are probably going to have to be in there. Mm-hmm. But if you looked, they don't have to be, but if you looked at the higher price running backs, pick one that really stands out to you. Uh, Carson's most likely going to be my, my third running back in lineups this week. Uh, it's close with Leonard Fournette as a big home favorite against the Jets, but I really like the idea, especially if, if I roll Wilson in cash lineups, of trying to, to corner all of those Seattle touchdowns even in uh, cash games. I, I think it's a, it's a good way to differ, differentiate yourself in a week where – 
there are going to be a, a lot of very similar builds because of the cheap plays at running back. So we're going to see uh, not only a lot of just similar lineup uh, builds, but a lot of overlap in terms of players, a lot of overlap in terms of scoring. So even in cash games this week, you're going to want to do something a little bit to differentiate yourself. Uh, one thing you could do is play a quarterback and a running back from the same game, a tactic that is uh, people shy away from a little bit in cash games because you do definitely lower your floor. But... Um, I, I want exposure to those highest scoring games this week. There's just so much meat on the bone in those games, whether it's uh, the Texans or the Saints or the Seahawks. Um, you, you figure out a way to get exposure to those guys. So uh, Carson's the one that I want. Uh, McCaffrey is, is the one that, I think a lot of people are going to be asking about, and I think there are a he has a really wide range of outcomes. He's the most interesting one to me because he has his toughest matchup of the season against the 49ers. We've already seen him struggle twice this year against good uh, good running defenses uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers two times, very low yardage totals. He salvaged his day last time against the Buccaneers with two scores, um, but but really low yardage totals. So. He, McCaffrey's definitely not immune to a low floor game, uh, and he's priced way above the other guys, especially on Fanduel, where he's a thousand dollars more than Saquon. But uh, right now on Fan um, on four for four, I projected McCaffrey for fifteen to twenty percent ownership, which will probably still be his lowest of the season. But if it starts sounding like everyone's really cold on McCaffrey, and I think and I push it down to like ten to fifteen percent, and it feels like he's going to be close to ten percent, all of a sudden I really like McCaffrey and GPPs just because he's so much higher price than everybody, and people are going to hate that matchup. Love him in GPPs. The only other yeah. guy, you know, we didn't really talk about Barkley. Just a gloss over him real quick you know detroit's 29th against um four for fours metric here just mm-hmm. fantasy points against and again if you could fit barkley and carson in there i think that's gonna give you it's first of all it's gonna give you a different lineup right absolutely and and again this is what i've been doing since the midpoint probably about a year ago is when i switched it up and i decided to you know, change my tactic a little bit and differentiate yourself. So that might be a way to go this week too. Yeah, just throw I, it out there. Yeah, um, no, I don't. I don't want to ever push anybody away from four for four, but this is definitely a, a week that I would say at least try to take the temperature of as many major sites as possible. And if you hear everybody that is popular, everybody that you respect, saying fade Christian McCaffrey, uh, I, I think it's time to jump all over him. Yeah, definitely in GPPs, all yeah. over him in GPPs. Yep. Uh, let's get to the wide receiver spot. I mean, John Gruden can try and take away DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> against Oakland, but good luck with that, man. I mean, we saw what Rodgers did last week. He doesn't have a wide receiver in the stratosphere of how good DeAndre Hopkins is. And, and maybe Devontae Adams comes back this week, but that would be the only guy. But my goodness, 8,200 Fanduel, 8,100 DraftKings. I, th- my question is, how, my, how popular is this guy going to be? Yeah, right, right now we have DeAndre Hopkins projected as uh, as the highest wide receiver on uh, the highest owned wide receiver on the slate, and then top three ownership across all positions between twenty five and thirty percent. I think that's coming a little bit low. I'm probably going to bump that up a little bit. I was really I don't know if it would have mattered, but I was hoping that DeAndre Hopkins put up one more dud last week. Uh, he didn't go bonkers. I think he had nine one oh six and one, mm-hmm. but it was it was enough for people to realize realized that um, he, he wasn't completely done, which I, I didn't think he was at all, but it would have been nice to see him put up a, a 650-0 line before this game just to uh, get the 
public a little cold on him. But uh, unfortunately, that didn't happen. With all that being said, uh, probably still going to be one of my anchors at cash, especially with the uh, the cheap running backs available uh, this week. Oakland, I mean, any way you chop it up, this is uh, this is a horrible defense, especially a horrible secondary. If we adjust for strength of schedule, uh, they rank 29th against uh, wide receivers. They're one of the top teams against running backs, and a little bit of that is because they, they are a decent run defense and have um, put a little emphasis on stopping the run, but also just because they're, they're such a bad um, – a bad pass defense that you could pretty much attack them at any spot that that you want to uh, through the air. As I mentioned with the the Chris Carson Russell Wilson lineups, um, I I'm not opposed to having Hopkins. I'm probably am more inclined to have Hopkins in my Watson lineups, even in cash games. Um, Oakland, they traded away one of the worst cornerbacks in the league, uh, Garyon Conley, to these very Texans. Uh, too bad Oakland doesn't have anyone good enough to challenge him this week. But uh, he, he was allowing the second most fantasy points per target among all starting quarterbacks this week. And in true Raiders fashion, they replaced him with Trayvon Mullen, who in his limited time is allowing the fourth most fantasy points per target. <laughs> That's so. great. Yeah, the only question I have then is if you're paying up, is it Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins? And I don't know which one's going to be higher owned. You seem to think that it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I do wonder if just because of the body of work, what Thomas has been putting up, mm-hmm. especially on DraftKings, if Michael Thomas is going to be that guy. Because, I mean, every single week now, 41, 17, 22. I mean, the floor, is, the floor has been higher than DeAndre so far. I'm with Ab- you on Hopkins. Absolutely. Michael Thomas has a higher target share. Um, he might get Drew Brees back. We do have Hopkins projected as a slightly higher value, but they're, him and, and Hopkins are both uh, both way above the field in terms of our 4-for-4 four four value metric. So take that a little bit with a grain of salt. They're, they're uh, really close to each other. Um, but just li- like I mentioned with Drew Brees, uh, Patrick Peterson's back, and he'll be shadowing Michael Thomas. I got nothing but great things to say about John Brown. You know, you and I were talking about him once he signed with Buffalo. Nobody, you know, I don't want to say nobody. I think people in a business would say, oh, you know, this is good. This is perfect. Mm -hmm. Guy's got a big arm. Um, Not going to throw that much, but all we need is one big play a game from John Brown. And John Brown has been taking care of business, man. At this point, this is... You know, in season long, I think you and I debated this. I think he's a high-end wide receiver, too. You could even go up to wide receiver one in DFS. The price is right this week. He scored last week. Um, Yeah, again, we're not... We're not looking for this guy to blow up every single week, but the floor is starting to come up a little bit, and he's 5,900 on both FanDuel and DraftKings against Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, just from a a straight consistency perspective, um, I I think his points per game, he's at... uh, 15.4 15.4 points per game so that puts him uh in in wide receiver two territory but um i mean the, those are looking at cumulative numbers he's been as consistent as anyone in the league averaging 78 yards per game every game only 50 yards uh, uh at least 50 yards only one game under 69 yards the only thing that isn't there yet is the scores and those are going to come uh if if his scores even out uh 
a little bit and he averages like half a touchdown a game for the rest of the season, that's like wide receiver 12 to wide receiver 15 numbers. Um, he's priced down below $6,000 on both FanDuel and DraftKings against Philadelphia. And the reason he's so consistent is just because it's it's volume and that's always what we're looking for with our, our receivers. And Buffalo, this isn't a team that's going to um, be crazy high in terms of uh, available targets, but and if we just look at their their play calling, they are middle of the pack in terms of passing rate in neutral situation. This is a really good matchup to throw the ball against a, a Philadelphia defense that uh, is a bit of a pass, actually a lot of a pass funnel. If we adjust for strength of schedule, they are seventh versus running backs, bottom 10 versus every other position, including 31st against wide receivers. Not only is John Brown seen consistent targets 22 percent target share but he's seen uh high volume targets targets downfield he's one of only seven receivers with not just a 22 percent target share but at least 35 percent of his air yards so uh, nice usually deeper type targets not as deep as we've seen in the past when he was seeing like 17 or 8 yard average uh, depth of target but still 13 or 14 is going to put him in a really good uh, position and the eagles have really struggled at defending those deep passes Bottom 10 in completions on deep balls, which we define as balls 15 or more yards downfield. Fifth most touchdowns allowed on those passes. So uh, Smokey here, sub six count on both sites is uh, cash game play for me easily. All right, this is a new one here because he's been reserved for GPPs only and mm -hmm. he's with Atlanta. Matt Ryan didn't practice Wednesday. He's probably going to sit out Thursday. But Dan Quinn says they'll have a better sense as to whether or not Matt Ryan practices on uh, Friday. So is Calvin Ridley at 5,400 FanDuel, 5,600 DraftKings against Seattle? Is Calvin Ridley in play if Matt Schaub has to start? My, my initial reaction would be absolutely no, but if Ryan's in there, I love this. No, I'm not. I'm I'm not messing with the Falcons at all if Matt Schaub is in there. Um, but it, it sounds like Matt Ryan, at least uh, from his point of view, is going to be good to go. Even if he's a little bit hobbled, um, I think that will be fine. As it stands now, Vegas hasn't taken this game off the books. Uh, it's still supposed to be a very close game, a very high scoring game. Uh, as long as Matt Ryan's in there, this is going to be one of the um, the most pass heavy teams in the league. Top three in passing rate in neutral game script their defense is so bad that even if Schaub isn't there they're probably going to be forced to throw to keep up with uh, what their defense is giving up and then obviously the the big turn of events this week is Muhammad Sanu being traded Calvin Ridley and Sanu uh, both seen about 15% of the targets while uh, while Julio Jones has um, seen his target share dip a little bit, uh, if we look at the season-long numbers, he's been back at around that 27 28% number the last couple weeks. So uh, Calvin Ridley and Sanu have, have been playing second or third fiddle if we include Austin Hooper as well. So all of a sudden, Calvin Ridley is in a spot to be the clear wide receiver two and then uh, 2A or number three, depending on uh, how those available targets work out between him and Hooper. But if, if this one, is a shootout like we expect i could definitely see uh, calvin ridley approaching or exceeding double digit targets uh in this game man so then we stay with atlanta then at mm -hmm. tight end and it's always tough to go against austin hooper you know mm -hmm. last week people i think they got too cute or was it last week or two weeks ago they just got too cute they say you know it's an easy Guilty. matchup there's a lot of people going to be owned on them it was between it was really darren waller 
um, mm-hmm. is the guy that's been stepping up. But it's tough to fade Austin Hooper this week. Really, in all formats, I guess you could pivot in GPPs, but you got to have some exposure to Hooper for one of the other reasons. A, he's terrific. B, Matt Ryan targets him all the time. And C, Seattle, that's the one thing. That's your Achilles heel on defense right now, covering the tight end again. Yeah, and uh, this is if you're if you're not comfortable with Ridley, obviously, uh, and and you want a player whose role is already locked in, d- despite uh, Sanu uh, being there or not being there anymore, then Austin Hooper is the play. He's our top value on both sides. Sixty six hundred on Fanduel, fifty five hundred on DraftKings versus Seattle defense that ranks in the bottom five uh, against tight ends when adjusted for strength of schedule. Hooper already seen just under eight targets per game, uh, just point nine uh, fewer targets than than the leader in terms of uh, targets per game among tight ends and. It's just every week we're just going to be in this weird situation where we really only have five or six viable tight ends and they're all bunched together uh, in in the same pricing tier. This week is a little bit unique. We have uh, three of the top five guys facing defenses that rank in the top 10 in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends. Now that number against tight ends, uh, it can be a little fluky sometimes just because facing one or two uh, really good tight ends can really throw off that number. Even when it is adjusted for strength of schedule, especially in a season like this where we just don't have any tight end scoring, but uh, Hooper looks like far and away the best bet here, especially when we consider um, he's, Cheaper than George Kittle in in a much tougher matchup by a couple hundred on FanDuel, 300 less on FanDuel. But if we look over on DraftKings, he's priced $1,000 less than George Kittle. So there's actually a a pretty big gap there on FanDuel. It's all a little bit tighter, but uh, that gap of $1,000 makes it hard to pass up on Hooper. Sorry about the clunking. I just fell over and wiped out. (laughs) We'll make it. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. It'll go Uh, on the blooper roll. Well, worse things have happened. Uh, just to go off topic here real quick, there was a poster of Albert Pujols in my studio one time, and it fell off, and I just freaked out. Like, I basically <laughs> peed my pants. Got it's my nice. headphones it's... caught on my on my chair one time. There's just been a disaster. My whole career has been a disaster. It makes uh, it more real. It, it That's one way of looking at it. Darren Waller's the other guy. You know, I've been rolling him out <laughs> about every week, and I still don't think he's priced high enough. Yeah. He's, all right, 6,800 Fandle, 5,900 DraftKings. They're getting closer, but, you know, the, and John Gruden said this is their Travis Kelsey. He has turned into fantasy's Travis Kelsey. That's yep. what Darren Waller is. Yeah, and even though this is a uh, this is a tough matchup on paper, Houston is uh, the best team against tight ends in terms of schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. Waller is just, he's seen so much volume. You need somebody to play against the Texans. Someone's going to catch the ball. Um, Houston does have weak spots in their secondary. They they rank 30th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight, uh, to wide receivers, but first against tight ends, as I mentioned. So the Raiders are going to be in catch-up mode uh, against a Houston offense or Houston team that should score a ton of points. So they're going to be forced to throw. Uh, Darren Waller's already top six in, in target share among all players. Tyrell Williams, it's still he's still questionable, either not going to play or if he does play, uh, likely in a limited role and Oakland they just don't have any other pass catchers their wide receiver core is not good they have they don't use their running backs a ton in the passing game so yeah Houston's good against tight ends but I mean Waller might see 13 targets in this one 
Yeah, his first three games of the year, he faced Denver, Kansas City, and Minnesota. And these are three teams that are in the top five covering top uh, tight ends. Yeah. And he ended up with seven for 70, six for 63, and 13 for 134. Only thing we want to see is more touchdowns out of him. You know, he finally got in the end zone with two last week. But, man, this guy is uh, hes top shelf. Creme de la creme, homie. Love it. Absolutely love it. That's Darren Waller. Quick talk on defense. Uh, just go back to the Patriots. They're taking on Cleveland. I mean, Baker Mayfield has 11 interceptions and I want to say five touchdowns. Come mm-hmm. on, give me a break. Yeah, I, I mean, if you've been on, on Twitter or watched TV or been alive, then you've probably heard pretty much every stat that you can about how good this uh, Patriots defense is. They're they're going to be the most expensive defense on both sides probably every week going forward unless something extreme changes. But uh, they're favored by 13 at home. Cleveland is uh, bottom 10 in football outsiders adjusted sack rate allowed. So a lot of pressure on Mayfield. Mayfield already has the highest interception rate among starters right now. But uh, I I will throw a couple stats at you if you you aren't completely sold on paying all the way up for the Patriots, even though there's tons of salary to do so. Only five players have more 20-point, 20 more games of 20-plus FanDuel points than the Patriots' defense. Only one of those is a non-quarterback. Dalvin Cook, the only non-quarterback with more 20-point games than the Patriots' Patriots defense. Uh, and then if we look at their secondary, the, like the, the one reason you would think that maybe Cleveland could get loose on them is because of Odell Beckham. But uh, Belichick is, is known for eliminating and opposing teams wide receiver one. The New England starting cornerbacks, uh, none of them have allowed more than six yards per target. There are 66 starting cornerbacks this week, if we include the slot corners, that have allowed at least six yards per target. Wow. New England's forcing a 7.4% interception rate, which is astronomically high. So with the ability to put the pressure with these corners uh, that just stay in their spot and they don't care who they're guarding, just lock everybody up. Um, it's it's pretty impressive. I'm, I'm all over the Pats, D. Yep, extremely impressive. And then the Jaguars, 4,500 Fandle, 2,900 DK. I actually don't mind the, uh, the Jets side of this either. They look so terrific against Dallas. And then, of course, you know, they played the Patriots, so they look like garbage. But I'm with you on the Jags, man, at 4,500 and 2,900. Yeah, if you do want to pay down, uh, you're not going to save a, a ton of salary on FanDuel. Jaguars are $500 less than the Pats on FanDuel, uh, but you do get a, a big discount. So if, if you want to make the, the the price argument and it's going to get you up to, if you're trying to get to a Saquon or if you're trying to uh, to be really unique and, and maybe get up to a Michael Thomas and a DeAndre Hopkins, then you might need to get off the Patriots defense here. Uh, Jaguars at 2900 on DK. Six-point home favorites against the Jets. Jets bottom two in both adjusted sack rate allowed and four for four schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. Sam Darnold now is the second highest interception rate among all starters behind only Baker Mayfield. And uh, of course, Donald Darnold, uh, we saw how rattled he was last week and um, he lost a toenail this week. So I don't know how, I don't know the toenail, uh, the toenail correlation with quarterback play, but uh, things just not going good for this Jets uh, team. Stop it with the toe. That's so disgusting. <laughs> I read a story on it. I'm just giving the news. Man. I know. I read an article on it, though, and I was just like, it was so <laughs> gross. Uh, Sharp Angle Sports, ladies and gentlemen. The exclusive home uh, for NFL selections from James Salinas, the most successful 
Super Contest winner of all time. Not only did Salinas win the Westgate Super Contest in 2015, but he finished third in 2016, 26th in 2018, which is really good too. And over the last four, oh, last four years, picking 85 games a year, he's got a remarkable record, 63.3% against the spread. Usually somebody tells you they're 63.3% against the spread, they're lying. This guy actually has it. Like, this is verified. Only one place to get James Salinas' NFL against the spread and over-under selections every week. That's SharpAngleSports.com. SharpAngleSports.com. Visit the site today. Here is our game theory this week. It's leverage and pivot plays and dart throws. And for those of you that are saying, what is leverage, pivot plays, and dart throws? TJ, tell them what it is. Yeah, so I wanted to do a, a something a little bit different for our theory segment this week. Uh, every week on, on this podcast, if you're new, uh, then uh, what we do every week is we, we kind of do a deep dive into theory, get a little bit away from uh, from player picks and just kind of explain the thought process behind how we uh, go about something, whether it's game selection um, or how to make low on plays or, or just some different ideas that, that aren't just those player picks. Uh, and we've kind of talked about all of these things in the scope of how we uh, build tournament lineups. You might have heard us talk about these concept, concepts such as leverage plays or pivot plays when we're going through our plays. Uh, this week, I just kind of wanted to go through these kind of these three main things that I'm looking at when I'm building my player pool outside of my core plays, uh, but not just do that, give you some specific examples from this week. So we'll have a few more uh, plays that are examples of a leverage play, a pivot play, or a dart throw. Talk about how these, these things differentiate from each other, and then just walk you through how I apply them in a given week uh, and and kind of help you out with some specific examples so that you can do it on your own. And also just to outline beyond what we're doing in our continent four for four after these core plays, like these are the exact plays that I'm outlining that uh, our other DFS writers like CD Carter, Pat James, they're outlining. So you're going to get a, a little look behind the curtain if you haven't signed up to four for four yet. And uh, we're obviously not going to do this every week because this, this is some of the great stuff we're offering to, uh, our subscribers, but with with half of the season still left, I wanted to get into some of these concepts that might be new if you just started playing DFS this year. If you haven't got deep into GPPs yet, well, leverage plays, and you mm -hmm. actually we're we are so on the same page uh, for another week here because let's just take the Lions and the Giants, right? Mm -hmm. You brought this up, so there will be a lot of people on Ty Johnson. Um, I'm not so sure. I don't know how much Ty Johnson I'm going to have right now. It's earlier in the sure. week though. But um, let's say that you're on Ty Johnson and you want to pivot to GPPs, maybe a little Stafford, Kenny Galladay, mm -hmm. uh, Evan Engram, or Saquon Barkley. That's that'll give you a little leverage. So how does that give yeah. you leverage, TJ? Yeah. So what? Uh, so first, let me tell you what a, a leverage play is for those that are new. So when I'm thinking about a leverage play, uh, there's it's a couple kind of different ways you could think about it. A, a player that's opposite of a a popular offense so uh one of the most popular offenses of every week is something that we're going to uh project at four for four with our ownership numbers look at cumulative ownership or you can just like look at a team that just has uh, someone that's expected to be the most maybe the most popular quarterback wide receiver stack uh take a player opposite that popular offense to leverage that play now you could you could take that leverage play add it into uh a game stack with those um 
with those popular plays on the other side, and that could help you have a low-owned correlation, or you can use it on, on their own as a leverage play. Maybe you just leverage the complete opposite passing game if you're expecting a shootout. We've seen it a, a lot of times in the past. It's a really great GPP tactic to find that very popular passing game and target the other side. We know opposing passing games are correlated. A lot of times you're going to get that quarterback with their wide receiver one at very low ownership. Um, or you can just look at it at one team. You might have um, a teammate at a different position than a chalk play. If you have a running back that is really heavy chalk, then you might want to use a, a quarterback in the wide receiver one uh, as the leverage against that play and vice versa. If you have a passing game that's very popular, you might want to uh, look at that team's running back and maybe hope that touchdown variance falls that running back's way and uh, he falls in for a couple touchdowns. And then all of a sudden you have really big leverage on the field if you do either of those two things. So a huge majority of the field is uh, is going after this specific play in one game. And shoot, there still might be a ton of points scored, but if everybody's on the passing game and you're one of the few people on the running game, then, then that's a huge leverage play. So one of those plays... <clears throat> the Lions passing game this week. Uh, Ty Johnson right now, we have him um, projected as the highest owned player on the entire slate. He's, he's very cheap, although um, I, I do think Latavius Murray will give him a run for the highest owned player on the slate. And if some people are a little bit worried about uh, McKissick, that, that might that projection might drop down a little bit. Um, but I, I still think Ty Johnson will be very popular because the carry-on Johnson uh injury was so public and, and people are going to see that really cheap price tag by Ty Johnson and, and want to open up that salary uh, for the studs. And, and because of that, uh, well, for a couple of reasons, the Lions passing game is probably going to go a bit overlooked. A lot of people are going to be on Ty Johnson and the Lions are one of six teams projected for 28 points. So because so many teams have a high point total and so many of those teams have good passing offenses and so many of those teams have great quarterbacks like the uh, Russell Wilson and the Deshaun Watson that we talked about, it's just going to be hard to load up on these Lions despite the great matchup against a, uh, a horrible Giants defense despite the high point total but one thing that I'm looking for from my quarterbacks is efficiency and in terms of fantasy scoring Stafford has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league this year uh, top five if we look at fantasy points per pass attempt allowed and then Kenny Galladay specifically I it makes me like this even more because Marvin Jones is coming off that blow up four touchdown game and ownership is often going to reflect previous week's performance so if people do come to this game and want to stack it uh, Marvin Jones is probably going to be higher owned than Galladay Galladay, even though Galladay leads the team in targets, has a higher average depth of target. Now, not by much, but I, I do think these ownerships are going to be out of whack. It's going to give you the chance to have Galladay at sub 10% in a really good spot. And Giants are one of the worst teams in the league at defending the deep ball. Right, let's get into pivot plays here because, uh, all right, let's here's an example for you real quick. And you got a lot of examples, but Thomas and Hopkins are going to be highly owned this week, but let's yeah. say that, you know, Thomas was in the most impossible uh, position ever. And the two were priced the same and everybody's mm-hmm. going to be on Hopkins and you pivot. You just yep. go to the next one. It's pretty simple, right? It, this is more of a GPP thing. But again, if you do differentiate yourself at a position or two in cash, go with this as well. Yeah, I like it. Um, like you mentioned, the so the, the basic definition is a pivot play is just a a less popular player uh, at the same or similar price point than as a chalk play or a a somewhat chalky play, just a higher owned play. 
I think it works great for pass catchers because running backs we could usually project fairly well, especially the workhorse ones. So even if you have a, a Christian McCaffrey versus Saquon Barkley, if if one's playing uh, one's playing the 49ers and one's playing the Bengals, it's pretty obvious which one uh, is the better play there. And a huge majority of the time, because they are it's going to see so many touches and trend towards their uh, expectation. There's not going to be as much variance as some of these pass catchers that even if we have a pass catcher against the best secondary in the league um, and then another one against the worst secondary in the league, if both of those guys are like 30% target share guys, they're still only seeing like nine to 12 targets in the game, which maybe might only equate to six or seven touches. So that's going to automatically, uh, turn out to be just a very high variant situation so those those high price pass catchers usually my my favorite ones to do it at and and some of the benefits of these pivot plays it a if, if you like to keep a a small player pool a very concentrated player pool it allows for similar lineup builds without expanding your player pool because if you if you get off some of these core plays uh even if it's by five or six hundred dollars if if that player ends up in in kind of his own pricing tier then all of a sudden it it really shuffles up your entire lineup build and you might suddenly find yourself where maybe you only wanted 25 or 30 players in your player pool all of a sudden you're up to like 40 45 and it's really hard to to manage your exposures if you're somebody that's a, a 150 max play uh, then we got a couple other ones here that you brought up. Uh, mm-hmm. Chris Godwin versus Nook. Did you want to get to unique pricing tiers real quick? Or is no, no. Let's let's it? talk about All some right. specific pivot plays for uh, for week eight. Godwin versus Nook Hopkins. Julio on FanDuel and uh, Cup on Lockett. Cup versus Lockett on DraftKings. So there's a few of them here. And I'll just throw this in there. Robert Woods hasn't scored yet, but... If you wanted to pivot a little bit from, if you love Cooper Cup, maybe you go a little Robert Woods too. I'm sure. just going to throw his name out there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, anytime you have something like that where you have uh, a couple receivers that are like the alphas in their offense and one's going to be a little bit more popular, pivoting to that other guy is, is a really good idea. Um, Chris Godwin just kind of stood out to me this week because uh, compared to some of the higher price wide receivers, I, th- I think he's going to... Uh, come in pretty low owned we have him sub 10 percent. he's obviously been one of uh the the best volume guys the best scoring guys in the league uh and like i said just wide receivers in general are going to be a high variant spot so uh chris godwin versus uh deandre hopkins and julio jones on fanduel we have uh deandre hopkins projected for 25 to 30 percent ownership jones with the ceiling of 20 percent ownership but godwin projected for 10 percent ownership on Fanduel. he's priced right in between those guys and then uh, chris godwin on DraftKings, he's priced right in between cooper cup and tyler lockett both guys that are projected for 15 to 20 percent ownership and we also have godwin projected at sub 10 percent ownership there so godwin in a tough on paper matchup um but uh, one of the highest scoring wide receivers of the year. You could get him probably at his lowest ownership that you'll find. Just want to thank Chase Edmonds for stepping up to the plate last week. <laughs> uh, I loved him and he, he crushed it. And so did Latavius Murray. So these are two guys, very similar price. Yeah. 6,100 for Edmonds, 62 on DK for, um, for, for Murray. So 61 versus 62 on Fandle, 6,200 for Edmonds, 5,800 um on Fanduel, right am i reading this right because I, yeah yeah i that, am reading this right so yep. um, so everybody's gonna be on latavius in yep. Fanduel, right but Edmonds is sitting there 400 more 
Yeah, so with uh, with David Johnson, it, it pretty much looks like he's not going to play. Didn't practice Wednesday. Uh, they continue to, to sign running backs to their depth chart. Uh, Chase Edmonds is the one that should get the bulk of the carries. Obviously not in, in a great situation uh, as 10-point underdogs, but you are getting a running back at a discount, not just on ownership, uh, but uh, on on price that, that even if they are down a bunch could see 15 to 20 touches. So just a volume versus ownership play is something that uh, that you're looking for from your low on plays. And he just happens to be a, a perfect price pivot off a player that's going to be uh, at least in the top three owned players of the week. And this works out nicely. Whenever you can uh, double up the pivot and the, the leverage play, that's uh, that's just even more ways that your lineup could get unique. So because they are facing each other, the Saints and the Cardinals, if game script is a little bit closer or even Arizona is ahead for a little bit, then while everybody's on Latavius, all of a sudden game script favors Arizona or the game just stays closer and Latavius isn't completely balling and Chase Edmonds is. Um, now you got a price pivot and a leverage. So if if your chalk hits everywhere else and it's one of those weeks where the most popular builds went out, at least this is the one spot where you pivoted uh, and, and benefited from that unexpected scenario. Hey, TJ, what's a dart throw? <laughs> so I, I put... <laughs> I put dart throws um, in their own category uh, because, I mean, I guess you can call any low-owned play that you want exposure to where you don't need, like, where they're probably only going to be in in 5% of lineups and you don't need 20% to be overweight on the field. But these are the players um, or teams that I want exposure to, but they aren't going to be part of my team or game stack. So kind of your one-off plays, they're not going to end up in like 25% of uh, my lineups. And I'm, I'm not using a ton of these. These aren't really my core plays for the week because I'm trying to minimize the number of times that I need to be right uh, in a gpp lineup build scenario um, a high variance scenario i'm not trying to have five one percent owned guys i, I want a, a couple game stacks or a few correlated plays so that when a game goes as i expect uh i, I benefit um uh, from that in the most maximum way possible so i wouldn't consider like a wide receiver three in a popular offense a as a dart throw, that's more of a play that I'm using to make a low-owned game stack. So again, these dart throws are just these one-off plays from like a random team that I, I don't want part of, but something's just popping to me for that play, and I'm going to sprinkle them into my lineups. Would you say that Kenny Stills is a dart throw this week, or is he going to be a little more popular than that? I mean, I would, again, so Kenny Stills is someone, because he's part of a popular offense, um, because a lot of people are going to be under Sean Watson and... Um, and no. and new Hopkins, he's going to be someone more that is he's i'm going to be using him um more as a core gpp play just because he's naturally going to end up in a and, and a core play i mean like he could end up and he's not going to be a core cash play but he could easily end up in 20 or 25 percent of my lineups because i'm going to use him in a lot of my game stacks uh with with deshaun watson or with that game however i want to build my game stack i'm going to use him in a couple lineups where I use Watson, but not DeAndre Hopkins, and that's only going to be in a couple. Um, and then I'm going to sprinkle him throughout. So because he's part of a team that I, I'm already really on, I would consider him uh, just more of like a, a low-owned correlation play than a, than a dart throw. Okay, I like this. This is a good explanation 
of all this stuff here. You got a couple on there. Mm-hmm. Um, one in Tennessee. I think the big thing you got to keep an eye on though is Corey Davis. For right? sure. Now no yep. one's got no one's going to be on Tannehill, right? No, and this is why uh, AJ Brown um, is the perfect de- definition of a dart throw for me. This this isn't a Tennessee offense that I'm going to want a lot of exposure to, even though Tampa Bay uh, Tampa Bay is a pass funnel. Tennessee's projected for a touchdown over their season point per game average. And if this were a week where I only had two or three offenses projected for really high scores and there weren't quarterbacks or wide receivers in smash spots, I might look at Tannehill and A.J. Brown against a Tampa Bay defense that is really horrible against the pass and say, hey, I'm going to use Tannehill in 10% of my lineups, uh, which isn't a lot, but with six teams projected for 28 points, uh, at least 28 points, a lot of those teams, great passing offenses, just great offenses in general. I, this isn't a spot where I can get too frisky with Tannehill. I, I, I might have him in one or two uh, just because I like A.J. Brown specifically in this spot, but it, it's going to be really hard to to load up on him with so many good offenses in, um, in good spots. But A.J. Brown, I I mentioned Tennessee projected for a full touchdown over their point-per-game average. Like, Who's going to benefit from that trend? The people that are most likely to score that extra touchdown or or two. A.J. Brown already has uh, a 22% red zone target share. They could be without Delaney Walker, who accounts for 28% of the red zone targets. And Corey Davis is a did-not-practice with an illness uh, on Wednesday. So even if Corey Davis does play, Corey Davis hasn't been a big part of the red zone offense A.J. Brown has, and the way to attack Tampa Bay is through the air. So all those things point to A.J. Brown being someone that he might only end up in 3 or 4% of something like a millionaire lineup, but if you have him in 7 out of 100 lineups, you doubled up the field. Uh, Marlon Mack, one of my favorites out there. Mm-hmm. Another nice – he's not really a – he's a dart throw? I, I think he's a dart throw because if we look at uh, – he's a running back we have projected for – uh, sub 10% ownership. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight running backs projected for uh, 12 and a half or higher percent ownership. So if you get Marlon Mack at his projected ownership of seven and a half percent, that's about half ownership of eight or nine other running backs. Um, it's not an offense that I'm going to heavily target this week. It, again, uh, most of my game or team stacks are going to revolve around uh, those high-scoring offenses, except for maybe one or two exceptions. Maybe just correlation plays on the other side, and there aren't really. I'm not using you using Mac as like a leverage play off anybody from the Broncos as a a pivot off anybody from his home team. He's just really the only player that I like in the Indy offense this week. But Indy in general is just going to be a low owned offense and he's going to be a relatively low owned running back, a home favorite a guy that's averaging over 21 touches per game on a run heavy team. And he's kind of in, in a little bit of a unique pricing tier. So if you do want to expand your uh, scope of players and want to mix things up with your running backs and get into a unique pricing tier, uh, he kind of, he kind of fits that bill. If we go back on FanDuel and look at the, one, two, three, six players priced, for, uh, sorry, projected for over 15% ownership. Uh, only most of them are 7,400 above or above. The closest one to Marlon Mack is 6,200. He's at 6,800. So he's, uh, no one is within $600 of, of him that's projected for 15% or more ownership this week at the running back position. Mm, interesting that Marlon Mack could be there. So, 
Absolutely. Love, I, I love that. Now you, you explain it to me. All right. That's the show, ladies and gentlemen. Sign up now with code DFSMVP. You'll get 25% off the DFS sub only. And TJ, we got the rate review t-shirt giveaway. Yeah, if you uh, like the pod and you want to represent 4 for 4 a little bit more, all you have to do is go to iTunes, leave us a five-star review, and we will automatically enter your name for a free drawing to win a nice 4 for 4 t-shirt on the next DFS MVP podcast. While you're there rating and reviewing, make sure you check out 4 for 4's uh, other two newest pods, Ship Chasing, covering high-stakes fantasy football leagues. And what's the other one? Uh, fantasy first it's a show who's the host me it's a show i do i give you the news every day tj actually helped me out this week gave me a nice (laughs) breakdown of emmanuel sanders by the way since muhammad sanu got traded do you think they give him the antonio brown treatment just pepper him with targets for a half and then not use him again for half a season (laughs) i think it'll be uh (laughs) i think it'll be the julian edelman show this week Julian Edelman show that is going out on a limb, man. Way to go. I appreciate that. (laughs) Always have fun doing this show with you, buddy. Great work this week. Thank you. Uh, If you want to hear more from us beyond just our voices, if you want to read our words, you could check us out on Twitter, Holden at Holden Radio, myself at TJ Hernandez. Of course, make sure you follow 444 at 444 Football. We'll talk to you guys next week on Week 9. I'm going to keep it real. Time your name was brought up, I would act all nonchalant in front of an audience like you was just another shorty. I put the naughty on, but uh, truth be told, you threw me for a loop this whole. I'm too old to be fronting when I'm feeling Denzel and acting like you ain't appealing when you are. Stepping like you ain't my only girl when you are. I'm ready to stop when you are. Yeah, we ain't no, never mind. It's for sure.